At some point in uh, St. Peter, one of St. Peter's letters, he says, you know, sometimes Paul's really difficult to understand. And I think his reading today would be one of those, right? But to sum up what Paul's talking about uh, today in the second reading is that through the disobedience of one man, Adam, sin entered the world. And through the obedience of Christ, we have this opportunity to not be conquered by it anymore. That's basically what St. Paul is saying in a lot of words. All right? It's very interesting. You need to go through and like, pray with it, but uh, he's, he's kind of difficult at times. But as we begin this Lenten journey, right, on this first Sunday of Lent, uh, it's, the, it's always that the church gives us the temptations of Jesus in the desert. Because as the catechism tells us, that's what Lent is all about. We're meant to identify with going with Jesus into the desert for these 40 days and 40 nights to prepare ourselves for what he did for us, right? On the cross, his passion, death, and resurrection. That's what we're preparing our hearts to celebrate in a more deep way, in a deeper way, this Lent. That's what these practices are about. So today we have these beautiful reading. I mean, they're just so rich. Because uh, you go back to the fall, and this kind of sets the stage for all of salvation history and what Jesus is going to do. So uh, in the fall, we, we see that it was, first of all, where's Adam, right? Adam had just been given directive to protect and tend the garden, right? And so all of a sudden, the next thing we hear is we got a serpent running loose in the garden. And where's Adam at? Sometimes you have these uh, kind of, I don't know, pictures of the scene that have been painted and interpreted. And you got Adam out there like plowing the field or something. And then Eve is left there with a the serpent. That's not the case because right in, the, in that reading, it says that she gives the fruit then to her husband who was with her. Right? He's standing right there. Why didn't he do something? Why didn't he do his job? That's why the sin of uh, our first parents is attributed to Adam. Because he didn't do his job. He failed. He was disobedient. God had told him, don't eat from that one tree. You, know, you can eat from all the rest of the trees in this garden, but not that one. And it was, a, it was a test of obedience to God. Do you trust me as your heavenly father? And they didn't. Because it said it looked good for food. It was a delight to the eyes and to make one wise, as we heard also on uh, Ash Wednesday. And... That's, that's the reason of the, of the fall right there. Those three things. And guess what? All of us sinners who inherited that broken human nature, uh, even after baptism, those are the three main things that we struggle with, right? Uh, they can be summed up as pleasure, pride, and possessions. Those are the things that really distract us from what God wants to give us. But watch how Jesus takes up those Three things in his temptations in the desert. This is the point. He's about ready to redo everything and do it right. Being obedient to his father. So the devil comes and says, you know, uh, well, I love this line by Matthew, right? He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was hungry. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I fasted one day and I was starving. You know, it's like, thanks, Matthew, for that, that point. But this kind of shows, is meant to show, like, this is a real temptation for the humanity of Christ. 
that 40 days and 40 nights, you're going to be hungry. And he has the power to turn those stones into bread. And so the, the devil tempts him with it, right? And then Jesus responds, always. He never, he never dialogues with evil. He just responds with the word of God. It is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in our times when we take up fasting, right, it's meant to put us in touch with the deeper hunger of our heart, not the hunger for food, but the hunger for God. That's what fasting is meant to do. And it's difficult because when I'm fasting, I'm praying to God all day long that I can make it one more minute, right? That I'll avoid that uh, piece of chocolate sitting over there or avoid that other thing that's calling out to me very uh, powerfully in the midst of that. Because we need to get in touch in Lent with that deeper hunger for God. It's there. And food or pleasure, as we can call it, will not satisfy it. It'll take it away for a moment, but it won't satisfy that deep hunger. So that's for us through fasting, for whatever, food or other things in our life that maybe create a, a, a bigger space for us to recognize the hunger for God and to bring that to him. And then the second one, he says, you know, if you're the son of God, uh, throw yourself down, right? If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And then the devil quotes Psalm 91. And he says, he will command his angels concerning you and with their hands, they will support you lest you dash your foot against a stone, right? The devil would know this, uh, this psalm very well because it was an exorcism psalm for the Jewish people. And so it would have been prayed over people who he was afflicting. And so he, the, the next part of it, though, which he doesn't quote, right? He likes to take things out of context. And so the next one says, and you will trample the young lion and the dragon under your feet, right? Speaking directly of him. He doesn't quote that part of it. But of course, then Jesus responds to him, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Right? These are these ways to respond to evil or to temptations that we all face. And honestly, this is about pride, right? It goes along with making one wise as the fall was uh, for Adam and Eve. It's all that the food was for making one wise. To grasp after, after this thing. To say, like, I want it. I want that power. I want that. And it all comes from our pride, that struggle with pride. Instead of receiving what God wants to give to us. Uh, and so Jesus certainly had the power to throw himself off the, the temple and to not be hurt by it. But he would not seek that kind of fame. He would not show that kind of power because that would scare people. And so we, too, have to watch our own pride. We have to find that the answer to pride is that other practice Jesus gives us on Ash Wednesday, prayer, right? When you're praying, two things happen as you deepen in your own prayer life. You encounter your true self with all your struggles, with all your brokenness and weakness, and you encounter the God of mercy. And in that, you're less tempted to be prideful because you realize every good thing that I have is a gift from God. And he will take care of me. He will give me what I need to get to heaven. See, we've lost that vision of heaven because maybe we don't pray enough. Or maybe we seek all those things that are outside of what God wants for us because he knows it wouldn't be good for us. 
And so Jesus rejects this temptation and he entrusts himself to the Father, to the work of the Father in his life. And then finally, the devil says, you see all these, he takes him up onto this great mountain. He says, you see all these beautiful cities and uh, all of this magnificence. I will give it to you if you but worship me. Now, where in the world did the devil think he could get away with giving God's creation to the one who created it, right? Talk about pride. But how in the world did he have it to give in the first place? Well, if you go back to the beginning in our fall, right, it had been given to Adam to tend and to protect, and he had given it away through sin. So the devil certainly did have power over all the kingdoms of the world, and Jesus has come to take it back. But he will not take it back by worshiping him, right? Only by worshiping the Father will Jesus come to take it back. Only by overturning the disobedience in the beginning by his obedience to the will of the Father, which was not to take anything, not to frighten us, not to scare us, but in, to give himself to us, right? So basically what the devil's saying is like, hey, I'll give you all this stuff. You don't need to go to the cross, that would have been a temptation, right, in the weak humanity of Jesus after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights to forego what he saw was coming for our salvation. And yet he's obedient to the Father. He teaches us how to be obedient. What are those crosses that we face, right? This is about possessions, to desire to possess things. And we have to let it go. That's why almsgiving is the answer, to like share with others, to give to others so that we're not so tempted by possessing things that we forget to be obedient to the Lord, right? And it also helps us to experience in our own sufferings the, the call of the Lord to unite it with him, right? Jesus did not deny the sufferings that would come for him to save us, right? He was obedient to the Father for you and me, out of love for you and me. And we can be obedient to the Lord as well through those prayer fasting and almsgiving, we too can overcome these same temptations that we face today. And Lent is meant to refocus us on that because those practices help us get in touch with a deeper hunger for God. And it helps us get in touch with being obedient to the will of the Father. The Father is good. See, that's in the beginning, that's what the devil did. He came in and he said, I mean, God said you couldn't eat from that tree right? God, God said you could. I mean, that's because he's not good. He's not a good father. He doesn't want you to have that. He knows what will happen if, if you have that. And so they believe the lie. We do it all the time, fellow sinners. We believe the lie. We believe God doesn't love us. We believe he's not a good father. We believe the lies of the evil one. So this Lent, let us focus on believing the will of the father, believing his goodness his love for us, rejecting these lies anytime they come up in our hearts or in our mind. And we can do that by that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which opens our heart to what God wants to do in our life. Trust him. He's a good father.